The defendant's commission of these four murders over a 10-day period is one of the worst killing sprees in the history of this state. Skin them sometimes, uh, slit them, slit them all the way open. Uh, I'm here looking for the spirits of anybody that still remains. I have a device in my hand. If you would like to talk to it, please come forward. Tell me your story. Maybe I should have killed four or five hundred people. Then I would have felt better. Then when I felt like I really offered society something. You are listening to Serial Spirits, the podcast. Oh, forgive me. We haven't been formally introduced, have we? Well, my name is... Oh, but my name is unimportant, really. After all, you didn't come here to learn my name, did you? No. You came here because I am an expert. An expert on the terrors of the night. You've been admiring my library, haven't you? I've read all of those books, you know, and more. What we are about to explore is a vast subject and absolutely... And the tombstones quake Spooks come out for a swing and wake Happy haunts materialize And begin to vocalize Grim grin and ghosts come out to socialize Now don't close your eyes And don't try to hide For a silly spook may sit by your Come out to socialize. Welcome back to another episode of Serial Spirits, the podcast. It is me, your host, Brendan Shea. And with me, as always, is the beautiful, the glowing with pregnancy, the lovely. Annie Weaves, what's up, Shea Bay? Did you like my little... What's up, Daddy Shay? Did you like my little compliment That there? was beautiful. Thank you so much. It's just sweat. It's purely hormonal <laughs> sweat. <laughs> It is October, your favorite time it's of the, the year. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the seventh of Halloween. I, I don't know. Today's we, the seventh of Halloween. Yes, like it you is. Used to it's say. an entire month. So we are back. We've been gone for a, an extra week. Sorry about that. We took an extra week. We have. It's been crazy here. I'm not even joking when I say that. The last two months have been absolutely crazy. We've had so much stuff going on, and even now, we're winding down to our last event this coming weekend. We are. In Nitro, West Virginia. Little side note, our event at Lake Shawnee has been canceled. 
We did. And it's solely my fault. Actually, it's my child's fault. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we're, we decided that due to some things that had happened uh, with me and my health and for the baby, we I'm, I'm not going to be able to host that event. And so if anyone had purchased tickets, if you will please reach out to Lake Shawnee. Their number is on Facebook online at, at wvlakeshawnee.com. Um, they will be able to refund those tickets. We have reached out to some people who had asked us about those as well. I fully apologize for that. We completely intended on this event happening. But again, things happen when you're pregnant. And so we just decided that we had to take a little break. So our last event is coming up this Saturday, October the 12th, Nitro, West Virginia at Ridenour Lake the Festival of Fright. We're going to be there. I'm going to be doing a paranormal panel with Mr. Dave Spinks. And so you guys come out to that. Say um, say a, a little farewell to us for a while, at least our public events. I also have to say a huge thanks again to Jerry and Tracy Polly from uh, Hillbilly Horror Stories. We had an absolute blast in Point Pleasant, West Virginia this past weekend. We were there. I got to speak with them with uh, History Goes Bump, the host of that show, Diane, she was fantastic, and the Brohio podcast. So a huge thanks again to Jerry and Tracy for inviting us out to be a part of that. So much fun. Look for us at some of those events again in the near future. Yeah, that was a fun event. Uh, as long as I've been listening to podcasts, like that was the first time I had ever been to like a live podcasting event. And it was really fun. There was a lot of great people there. We uh, got to talk to some people Met some f new friends, and uh, we showed some people where the TNT bunkers were. We didn't actually get to go with them, but we like pointed them in the right direction and uh, got to hear some interesting stories of hauntings all over the country that people have experienced. And Bro Ohio podcast, you guys were so generous to buy everybody pizza, so they that did. was great. They provided yeah. food for everybody. That it was, was fantastic. It was amazing. There was about eighty something people there. It was it was a great time. It was a good turnout, and. Uh, Anytime you guys get a chance to go check out a live podcast event of your favorite podcast, do it because it's a good time. It's a really, really good time. And even if you don't go to the live events, make sure you go to iTunes and subscribe to Hillbilly Horror Stories, History Goes Bump, and the Brohio Podcast. All phenomenal. We love each and every one of those guys. Also there, the host, kind of the MC of the event was Jess from Shoes, Booze, and Tattoos. So check her out as well. She was awesome. She kind of introduced everybody, kept the momentum going. Just a really, really fun night. It's it's always a good time when you can get a group of podcasters together and bring the, all their fan bases into one spot and get to meet each other in class. It was great. It's a good time. What are we doing today? What so, do you have for us today, Weeby? So, I see your big, huge expression on your face, your big, beautiful blue eyes and your big smile. Looks like you're super happy about what we have today for an episode. So because it's the seventh of Halloween, I love doing these shows that mix a little bit of history, a little bit of legend and lore, and talk about the history of Halloween and where we get some of our favorite fabled traditions. So this is what we're doing, the history of Halloween? It's the history of Halloween. Here we go, the history of Halloween.
Halloween as it is today originated in the early Middle Ages as a Catholic vigil observed on the eve of All Saints Day, which is November the 1st. So, October 31st is All Saints Eve or All Hallows Eve. But it goes back further than that. Shay, do you want to take a stab? Oh, stab, no uh-huh. pun intended. Uh-huh. At where the original, quote unquote, Halloween began. I'm going to say Ireland. Oh, you're so correct. It's because it's your people, right? Oh, it's my people. Look at the size of this fella. I was not calling you a leprechaun. I just meant you were of Irish descent. Yeah, but that's what I have to say. You live in West Virginia because there's so many giants. Oh, look at the size of this fella. (laughs) He's a big bullock right here. Its roots are traced even further back in time to a pagan festival of ancient Ireland known as... Okay, here's another little thing. What do you think it's called? Well, there's a punk band called Sam Hain that was started by some of the members of the Misfits back in the day. So we usually call it Sam Hain, but that's actually not the correct pronunciation. Oh, here comes here comes a grammar lesson from Weeby. It's actually pronounced Sawin. Soween. 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 So it is. Hey, a, Annie, you want to see my Soween? Oh, jeez. It's a pagan <laughs> festival of ancient Ireland known as Soween. The observance is said to have marked the end of summer and the onset of winter and was celebrated with feasting, bonfires, sacrificial offerings, and an homage to the dead. So this was kind of the time that all the Irish people, it's about to be like. The coldest, darkest time, you know, deep, depressing. They're bringing in all their crops. They're bringing in all their animals from the pasture. And they're really batting down the hatches for this really harsh winter that's ahead. You ever notice, Weebs, that all these different cultures celebrate, uh, have a reverence to the dead? Like in Mexico, they have Dia de Mortes. And there's so many other cultures where you see observance to the dead. And... It's weird that all of a sudden it's because of of this time of year. It's supposed to be like, what, the, the, the thinning of the veil. Right. Yeah, most of these, I, I looked through, that was another entirely, probably different story about traditions of all the different countries. So like you said, uh, Dia de los Muertos falls around the same time as well. So they all come around this thinning of the veil. <laughs> stupid we sound Dio de los Muertos. <laughs> I didn't say it that way. Yes, you did. Dia de los Muertos. Yeah, you said Dio de los Muertos. <laughs> I don't think I said it oh, like that. Whatever. whatever. Okay. This must be that West Virginia speak. It probably is. So we're going back to Ireland and the ancient Celtic traditions where a lot of this uh, originated that was brought over Go ahead, sorry. with the leprechauns from Ireland. During what was brought to you then to North America when the Irish came over for the potato famine? Yeah. Okay. So I'm getting ahead of myself here. So trick-or-treating evolved from the ancient Celtic tradition of putting out treats and food to ward off spirits who roamed the streets at Samhain, a sacred festival that marked the end of the Celtic calendar year. Soling, quote, Souling, S-O-U-L-I-N-G, is a medieval Christian precursor to modern-day trick-or-treating. On Hallowmas, November 1st, 
the poor would go door to door offering prayers for the dead in exchange for soul cakes. So that's where your original trick-or-treating came from. They were going door to door offering prayers, getting these cakes in return, and they were also leaving out treats for the spirits to ward them away. So here we are, we have the origin of trick-or-treating, which is kind of neat if you really think about it, like it's you hear people, all these people, these Christian people are so obsessed with saying that how horrible Halloween is and we shouldn't celebrate Halloween and all this other crap. And here we are where the origin of trick-or-treating is going around offering prayers for the dead. Right. Yeah, it all goes back to there's really a religious purpose behind all of it. And it just became, you know, I guess modernized like everything else did. So when you're out buying your Halloween decorations, Shay, there are always specific things that you see that kind of represent Halloween, right? And decorations. Yeah, spider webs, black cats, witches, okay. skulls. So the first one on my list. Not aliens. Black cats. Often used as symbols of bad luck, black cats grace many Halloween decorations. The black cat's bad reputation dates back to the dark ages when witch hunts were commonplace. Elderly, solitary women were often accused of witchcraft, and their pet cats were to be their, quote, familiars, or demonic animals that had been given to them by the devil. Another medieval myth told that Satan turned himself into a cat when socializing with witches. But nowadays, black cats aren't synonymous with bad luck and mischief everywhere. In Ireland, Scotland, and England, it's considered good luck for a black cat to cross your path. So let's let, let me tell a little story here. Annie has this cat. Her name is Grace. She's my baby. My she love. is Annie's baby. She loves Annie. She is Annie's protector. And she is Annie's familiar. If there is a such thing as a familiar, this cat is it. This cat feeds off Annie's emotions. This cat is really kind of a a bitch. Like, yeah, she is. She's mean and she's, but she has, I mean, she's has a personality, but she is Annie's familiar. Like she follows Annie around when Annie's sick. She's like crawling on top of Annie, like trying to take care of her, make sure she's okay. It's weird. Gracie was the first creature on this planet to realize that I was pregnant. I'm 100% positive because the morning that I woke up and was so incredibly sick and could not lift my head, Gracie came in and she had kind of circled me all night long, which she'll do when I'm sick. And that morning she came in and she laid down. Normally when I'm laying down, she'll lay kind of like along my back or across my chest or whatever. That morning she came in and she curled up right next to my belly. What, like first thing in the morning she did that? Yeah. That was the first morning you realized that, oh man, I think I'm... I took the pregnancy test later that day, and that's when I found out I was pregnant. But I was so sick that morning, and it was so funny that she just came in and, like, curled up against my belly like she knew what was going on. I'm 100% sure that she knew that I was pregnant. And she's become more protective of me since I've been pregnant. And she is. She's super protective. It's weird. If you actually stand here and you watch it, you watch Annie, like, interact with this cat, this cat really is... It's a, it's like another person. It, she it, talks it, she, to me. She's like the devil. We know each other's language yeah, completely. And it's weird. 
It's very weird. And she is. She's like Satan sometimes. She'll come in there. She'll talk to you. And it's just like, you guys have a conversation. And I'm just like, uh. then I go to like pet her. <laughs> I'll go to pet her. Right. And she, she has this little routine where you have like, Annie can go up and just like grab her and cuddle her or whatever. But I have to put my hand out like I'm meeting a dog for the first time and let her sniff my hand. Then she puts her head down and lets me pet her head. And then like after a few, str- like maybe two or three strokes, it's right, I'm going to bite you because I'm sick of you touching me. She's a very temperamental bitch, but she's Annie's familiar, and for that, we love her. Um, all cat lovers, all cat people understand my language, though, when you say that. They yeah, but just, I've never met a cat like her. She's just my familiar. Maybe I'm a witch. I don't know. Maybe. A witch in a past life. But it's weird that you, like, you, you talk about cats, like, being, like, having to do with Halloween and the dead. Like, it's been, cats have been, like, ancient ancient things that have to do with the dead i mean the egyptians well, how the, yeah the egyptians the egyptians worshiped cats and they used to have the cats with them when they were buried because right. it was they were they mummified their cats with them too because they were supposed to bring their spirit to the afterlife so it's weird that cats are that that animal that's supposed to bring forth the dead or take you know carry the dead with them and one of the cool things i think about when i think of cats is like that have you ever seen constantine with keanu reeves yes where he takes something that belongs to uh the girl's sister so he can transcend into hell yep and he looks into the cat's eyes and, and puts his that, feet in a pan of yep. water and that's how he goes to hell yeah but i mean he, i tried that with looking, gracie once it didn't work he's looking at the cat's eyes like trying to like you know he focuses himself yeah. into hell. But yeah, cats have, are, have always been in history synonymous with uh, death and royalty. I think the ancient Egyptians were really incredibly smart people. When I was little, I had a really weird obsession with ancient Egypt. Walk like an Egyptian. No, it was just really strange. I used to go to the library and get all these ancient Egypt books. I think everybody but did. It's just, it was maybe. a fascinating culture. Yeah. So the Egyptians all the way up to... Uh, Irish, you know, now everybody's like, yay, cats, even black cats, even black cats, even black cats. So So black cats are good luck. They're not bad luck. If you're in Ireland, if you're in Ireland, Scotland, Scotland, England, England, they're they're good luck. They're good luck. Okay. Correct. So Alex and Helena, cats, black cats are good luck. They have a black cat, actually. So it's perfect. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about jack-o'-lanterns. A fun fall activity, carving jack-o'-lanterns actually has its roots in a sinister, tragic fable. Celtic folklore tells the tale of a drunken farmer named Jack who tricked the devil, but his trickery resulted in him being turned away from both the gates of heaven and hell when he died. Having no choice but to wander around the darkness of purgatory, Jack made a lantern from a turnip and a burning lump of coal that the devil had tossed him from hell. Then, the story says, Jack used the lantern to guide his lost soul. The Celts believed that placing jack-o'-lanterns outside would help guide lost spirits home when they wander the streets on Halloween. Originally made using a hollowed-out turnip with a small candle inside, jack-o'-lanterns' frightening carved faces also served to scare the evil spirits away. When the Irish potato famine of 1846 forced Irish families to flee to North America, that tradition came with them. Since turnips were hard to come by in the States at the time, pumpkins became the substitute. See, that's weird. You know, I almost thought a couple years ago, I was telling Grace that story, my daughter Grace, and she wanted to get a turnip. She wanted to carve a turnip instead of a pumpkin. They have all of these pictures, if you look online and on Pinterest, of all these old carved turnips 
They're terrifying. Yeah, I know. And and they are very terrifying. And could you imagine if that culture would have stuck? Could you imagine if we would have like not even used pumpkins? How creepy would that be? It almost sometimes turnips look like little turds. So it'd be like these big carved turds sitting on the sidewalk. They're just weird. They have kind of this gray fleshy color. It's bizarre. Look it up if you've never seen it. Turnip pumpkin. It's so cool to see the history tied into all that stuff because all this stuff comes from somewhere and it's very fascinating when the more you dive into it. Right. And it, the creepier it gets, actually. It is, actually. Okay, so let's talk about one of my favorite winged creatures. Guess what it is? Um, bat. The bat. So veiny. It's so veiny. <laughs> bat, bat wings. wings. So veiny. <laughs> so... Medieval folklore also described bats as witches' familiars, and seeing a bat on Halloween was considered to be an ominous sign. One myth was that if a bat was spotted flying around somebody's house three times, it meant that somebody in the house was going to die. Another myth was that if a bat flew into your house on Halloween, it was a sign that your house was haunted because ghosts had let the bat in. That's nuts because Every place I've ever investigated that was super haunted had bats in it. And people think it's a joke, like, oh, it's an old building or whatever. No, it's insane because I've seen bats out in the, the wild. I've seen bats in my aunt's barn, you know, here and there. I've Bats in the house. But every place that I've gone to investigate that had super, super amazing activity, there were bats right before we had all this weird activity. And it's nuts. It's crazy. Like, I firmly believe that that is actually legit. I have bats in my backyard, like especially in late summer, you'll see them flying around out there, but that's perfect because they eat all those stupid little mosquitoes that are out there. So I love bats, 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 bats. But I think the, there's a, you know, whatever frequency, I think maybe spirits give off whatever energy they're dispersing. I think maybe that's why it like triggers the bat sonars to like go haywire so they freak out and fly around because i'm not even joking i've had so much ex like experiences where just before like a evp or something was captured even like hearing a weird knock and you'll see a bat it's it's nuts so that's kind of cool to know that i had no idea that that was actually a thing that bats flew into a house that could that was a sign that it was haunted. It was a sign that your house is haunted that's pretty sweet doesn't it so what about witches the stereotypical image of the haggard witch with a pointy black hat and warty nose stirring her potions in her cauldron actually stems from a pagan goddess known as the Crone, who was honored during Samhain. The Crone was also known as the Old One and the Earth Mother, who symbolized wisdom, change, and the turning of the seasons. Today, that all-knowing Old Crone has turned into the menacing, cackling witch. So witches were actually supposed to be kind of like these beautiful earthly motherly creatures so you here i'm gonna play a couple of clips of witches you tell me which one's your favorite Which one did you like the best? You know where my heart lies, Shay. My heart lies with number two and Hocus Pocus. It's, and the Sanderson sisters? The Sanderson sisters. Oh, boo! 
you know that that's not the clip we heard but i mean that t-shirt that says i'm the fourth sanderson sister yeah. and it's totally me it was absolutely you know, me as far as witches movies go that is probably one of the best ones ever made and it would be a shame if they tried to remake it if they tried to reboot that it would be a, a shame because that is actual a classic movie that it's like a Christmas story. I can watch that 50 million times the whole time it's on. And it's, it's just a great movie. It's, it's, it's not funny, you know, like comical funny. It's got funny parts in it, but it actually has a lot of history behind it too, as far as Salem goes. And it's, I love it. So I agree with you. That's the, that's the best witch. It's fantastic. So what about the witch's cauldrons? I actually have a cauldron in my front yard. The witch's cauldron. Yeah, I'd like to hear the history of that because I got a little bit of different history from Harry Potter. Oh, no, I don't think that's historically accurate. But let me tell you what the Celts thought. So the Celts thought that after death, all human souls went into the witch's cauldron, which symbolized the Mother Earth's womb. It was in there the souls awaited reincarnation as the witch's stirring allowed for new souls to enter the cauldron and old souls to be reborn. Well, that's weird. So I they thought that they were that like before. mashing up all of these souls to be reincarnated, to so, go back out into the world. So you know what it almost sounds like? A big bowl of spiritual cereal. <laughs> oh, jeez. Hashtag, thank you, Zanger. Zanger. A big bowl of spiritual cereal. I'm going to go ahead and name drop the Unbelievers podcast again because there was an episode that just happened last week. I was on there. We talked about our experience at the Mothman Festival. And Justin Zanger, a friend of ours who has a podcast called the Zang This Podcast, messed up the name of our podcast and said Spiritual Serial. So now that's a, a funny joke that we have to he tell. Did. So the Witch's Cauldron could be a big bowl of spiritual cereal. That's exactly what it sounds like to me. Full of like Count Chocula and Frankenberry and Booberry all mixed together. All together. That's what I picture when you and say then when spiritual you, you, cereal. You mix in all those cereals that are like, you know, old and dying. Out comes Chex and Cheerios. Chex are my favorite. I don't like Chex. Check, I bought an enormous box of checks. That was probably we, a pregnancy craving. I am one of 12 kids. I'm the oldest of 12 kids. And we were growing up, my mom got the wick, you know, women and children, like the little coupons you get discounted, like food items, because there were so many kids. And one of the things that was on there was checks. So that's all we ever ate was checks for cereal. And it's like, uh, you just get older, like, eh, I don't want that anymore. I'll remember that the next time I'm at the store. Okay, so we've talked about trick-or-treating. What about the origin of Halloween costumes? Why dress up to go door-to-door? I'm going to take a guess because it's supposed to be you're hiding from the spirits. So back that right? in... It's close. Oh, so okay. back in Celtic times, it was believed that on Samhain, the veil between the worlds and the spirit world was at its thinnest and that ghosts of the deceased could come back to Earth. The superstition was that the visiting ghosts could disguise themselves in human form and knock on your door asking for money or food. If you turned them away with nothing, you risked receiving the wrath of the spirit and being cursed. Another Celtic myth was that dressing up as a spirit would fool the other evil spirits into thinking that you were one of them so they wouldn't try to take your soul. In the U.S., trick-or-treating became a customary Halloween tradition around the late 1950s, again, when it was brought over by Irish immigrants. Thank you, Irish. Thank you, Ireland. Cool again. So just imagine that. The ghosts are knocking on your door, trying to take your money. What's a ghost going to do with a pocket 
what, they don't even have pockets. How do you know they don't have pockets? What are they going to do with all that change? I don't know. So here you are. You're walking around on the, the afterlife. I mean, what do you need money for? Do you got to pay the ferry boatman? Is that what you're trying to get money for? Or what's the deal? I don't the know. Deal? The that's Egyptians weird. thought you needed your money in the afterlife. True. That's true. But so that just doesn't make any sense. These others might Because well. I've been told that you can't take it with you. So you might as well just spend it while you're here. That's your excuse to spend all of our money yeah, on podcasting equipment. <laughs> yeah. I wish. Okay. So when you think about Halloween, are there any colors that come to mind? Yeah, of course. You got black, you got purple, you got gray, you got white. You didn't even say the most important one. Orange. Orange. I'm glad I didn't say banana. <laughs> okay, so... Yeah, sorry for the lame jokes. <laughs> Annie is telling dad jokes today Sorry, I pulled up my pants really far. They're way above my belly button, so I feel like dad jokes are appropriate. So Halloween colors... Traditional Halloween colors, you usually think of orange and black. And again, they come from pagan celebrations of autumn and the harvest. Orange symbolizing the colors of crops and turning leaves, while black actually marked the death of summer and the coming of winter, the changing seasons. Yeah, I knew that. I had a, I had a sneaking suspicion that black meant death. Right. I mean, so there you go. Sense. Okay, so what about bobbing for apples? Do you want the actual serious definition of what i think it is or do you want me to be i always thought this was the strangest party game ever because okay so when we were kids they used to have halloween parties at our church which some of the elders were like totally against again because you were talking about quote-unquote pagan holiday even though some of which the is weird are here christian. in west virginia that all these christian people are so against all this stuff which is weird because the irish were here bringing all this spiritual stuff there but Continue, sorry. Not all of them are, but you've got some. So we used to have these big church Halloween parties. You know, you'd go in, you got your face all painted like a vampire, your fake blood everywhere. And what's the first game they want you to play? Hey, go stick your head in that bucket and get an apple out. Like, Did it's they, terrible. We used to play, like, in school and stuff, and they would put, like, quarters, like, slick quarters and stuff inside the apple. So you'd, like, get the apple out, and you'd be like, oh, look, I got a quarter apple or a penny apple or a razor blade apple, you know? <laughs> Razor blade apple. <laughs> That's the one I wanted. Well, they didn't. Uh, they didn't give any of those. We didn't get anything but the apple. But then your face and your hair are all wet for the like remainder of this party. It's like and your you makeup's just, gone. Yeah, you just ruined my freaking costume over what bobbing for an apple. Like, who created this game? Well, who created this game? Let's hear the history lesson there. So. Weeps. In ancient times, the apple was viewed as a sacred fruit that could be used to predict the future. Think back to the Bible, Adam and Eve, oh, yeah. right? So bobbing for apples was one of the traditional games used for fortune telling on Halloween night. It was believed that the first person to pick an apple from the water-filled bucket without using their hands would be the first to marry. <laughs> oh boy, we used to play that in school. Yeah, so there you go. That's uh, maybe you didn't want to get that apple. Yeah. So if the bobber caught the apple on the first try, it meant they would experience true love. But those who got an apple after many tries would not have any luck in their romantic endeavors. It was also believed that if a girl put her apple under her pillow on Halloween night, she would dream of her future husband. Weird. Right. Bringing love into Halloween. That's, yeah, that's kind of weird. I, 
I, you know, was that guy that always had trouble bobbing for apples. I had to have it do it many, many tries. So that's probably why in my late 30s, I finally found true love. <laughs> See, you just, that third, the, the third apple's a charm, right? Yeah, the third apple, that's the, right. The third apple's a charm. So that's a pretty good little uh, timeline for uh, the history of Halloween. And it's interesting to hear some of these facts. The bat one really, really... It makes sense to me, and that's really cool fact. I've never, never heard that before, and it was cool to find that out. Old Weeby always giving me little tidbits of information of things I didn't know. These are always my favorite shows to do. We also have one that I'm going to repeat at Christmas, all the creepy like Christmas folklore, but a lot of it does go back to these old, um, I don't want to say, some of them were pagan rituals, but all these historical ailments, elements, ailments, <laughs> historical ailments, that were brought over from other countries, specifically Ireland, that we've kind of created into what we see as modern day Halloween. Growing up, I come from a very uh, orthodox Catholic family, like, and we were never dismayed from like liking Halloween or, or you know, doing trick or treating or anything like that. It was just a staple of being a kid. There was just something, and, and everybody says, "Oh, fall's my favorite time of the year," and Halloween has become this, you know popular like holiday that everybody loves and everybody is obsessed with but I can remember it being a little kid and feeling that change in the air when fall started and you knew Halloween was coming the leaves were falling it was just that genuine change like you were excited about summer break when you were you know because you got out of school but there was just something about this this time of year that just excited me on the inside and I don't know if it's why I'm the way I am now it's because it was just a, a precursor to how it was going to be but there was always something there, and I always looked forward to this time of year. And I remember Halloween being a huge deal to me and my siblings because we did get to dress up. We did get to go trick-or-treating, and we had this neighborhood. And this neighborhood, like, it wasn't, like, super rich neighborhood, but there were, you know, people, the middle upper middle class people. And it was probably two blocks over from where we lived. And we would go, and there'd be all these roads up. There'd be like four different roads, but they just kept going up, up hills, right? And you could trick-or-treat for like, I don't know. It started at like 6 o'clock in the evening and went till like 10 o'clock. This is back, you know, when you could trick-or-treat all night long. And seriously, me and my brother George, we would take pillowcases or garbage bags. And we would get like half of a garbage bag full, go back to the house, start over again, hit some of the same houses and some of the ones that we didn't hit before and come back with like another half full bag of candy. It was insane. So we had Halloween candy all year long. It got to the point where my mom had to throw it out. There was just something about that night. It was just so cool. And I remember one Halloween, my cousin Ray, who always had interesting stories. And I remember we all sat, and I wish I could remember this story because it was a really creepy story. And we were kids and, we, you know, if you hear anything, the history of me, I love to scare the crap out of myself. But I remember one night, it was a full moon. It was Halloween night. We just got done trick-or-treating. My mom was inside with my aunt, my uncle, my dad. They were in there doing whatever adults were talking about. And we were outside sitting underneath the full moon right outside this the woods in front of our house. And my cousin Ray told us this creepy story. And I just remember the feeling of just being in that atmosphere, that time of year, feeling the crisp autumn air. And it just always made me feel alive. I don't know why I told that story. I just think, you know, it's just a great time of year. It's such a great holiday. It's just, it is the thinning of something. It's the thinning of the veil. Maybe it is the thinning of crossing the dead and the living, but it always made me feel more alive. When things were dying, I felt more alive. I mean, does that make any sense? That's kind of weird, right? It does. I think it's a very spiritual time. 
for people. You know, I think it it does. It feels very magical. Growing up on my mom's side of the family, there were five of us who were really super close. My younger brother, and then I had three other cousins. And every year, Halloween was our absolute favorite uh, holiday. We would all gather at my grandmother's house. We would go around the neighborhood. We would get camp, which was mostly like just our friends and family. Like we knew every single house that we went to. My older cousins have this tradition of going next door to my grandparents' house, to our cousin's house, and blowing out all of her jack-o'-lanterns, and then watching her come out to the porch to realize that they'd all been blow out. You know, she'd come out, she'd light them again, they'd run over there and blow them out. That's, they were just kind of little turds like that. They didn't like put a flaming bag of poo on the porch. No, no, it was just, they thought they were being super funny by just going over there and blowing out their candles. But there is something very magical about it. And even to this day, it's like my favorite holiday to decorate for. Um, it's just, it's amazing. I actually have a creepy story that happened to me on Halloween. This is like the quote unquote, you know, epitome of creepy stories. Epitome of a Halloween story. So this was probably 10 years ago. Maybe I had actually gone to my parents' house and was trick-or-treating with my best friend and cousin. 10 years ago? And their kids. Yeah. So you were 26 and you were still trick-or-treating? No, I went oh, out you there with w- the oh, kids. Oh, okay. They, Meg and Katie were taking the kids around the neighborhood and, you know, they're little and you want to go out and, and bring these traditions back yeah, to yeah, your family. Yeah, you want to keep them going, yeah. And to this day, you know, they, they still love Halloween the best. And so I went out there to walk the neighborhood with them. And as I was coming back home, there was this enormous uh, cemetery that I had to drive by. There was um, the graves and there was a mausoleum. Did you hold your breath as you drove by? I did not. And I actually, I used to walk in this cemetery frequently. I would go out there by myself and walk these paths. And it was just really kind of beautiful and tranquil out there. There was a pond, there were always geese. And so never felt uncomfortable in my life. There was one grave out there that always kind of bothered me. It sat right beside the road. And this may be a story that we cover in another episode of the podcast. It actually went back to a still unsolved murder. These teenagers were murdered in Huntington. Gosh, it's probably been close 20 years or more now um, on prom night. And to this day, nobody was ever charged with their murder. And one of the girls that was killed was buried right there alongside the road. And her mom used to bring all those little, you know how people will take, um, like they're the little stakes that glow in the dark and they're like solar lights. She had like all these solar lights around her grave. It was really kind of sad. They would go out there on her birthday and put up balloons and sit around the grave. And there was a bench out there and there was this huge angel statue just next to her grave and the pond was behind it. And so I turned onto the street that night after we'd been trick-or-treating. It was completely dark. And as I go down the hill and kind of come up the crest, the first thing that you would see would be her grave and the angel statue. There beside the angel statue was this enormous black shadow. It was like something standing there in a trench coat because all you could see was like the outline of what looked like a hat. Was it Robert Stack? And shoulders, if he had on a hat, I would believe it. Like a hat 
and shoulders and it was super, super, super tall. And I'm standing there looking at it like somebody is in this cemetery trying to play a prank on Halloween. And so I give it like the slow drive by and I look and I realize that it's just like this black form. And so I stop and because, you know, I'm already doing paranormal investigating by then. I stop and I'm thinking, I need, I'm going to turn around, like take a picture of it real quick and like post it on Facebook. Be like, whoever was in the cemetery tonight's not scaring me. When I stopped and I turned to look back, there was nothing beside that angel's statue. Whatever it was, was gone. Creepy. It was kind of creepy. And that happened on Halloween night. So there's my, you know, the epitome of a scary Halloween story. It's like they say, it's the thinning of the veil. I've investigated a lot on Halloween and I've had a lot of weird stuff happen. You know, just because it's Halloween, it doesn't mean that you're going to see a ghost. But it's supposed to be, there's some something to it. There's something to that time of year. And it has to do with energies and everything else. It wouldn't surprise me if you saw a ghost on Halloween. So pretty so there creepy. We go. So Shay, that kind of wraps up our little Halloween history, our Soween spirit episode. How about <laughs> that, that episode was sweet. Soween. So I want to throw something out there about some upcoming episodes Before of that, the podcast. I gotta say something that okay. has to do with this. Okay. Wanna talk to the fans out there of serial spirits. If you once this episode drops on our Facebook page, leave us your st- your scary stories, some of your memories from Halloween. Let us know what Halloween means to you, because as you can tell, me and Weebs love Halloween. We love everything creepy. We want to hear from all of you guys. Tell us some of your creepy stories. I don't care if you like upload a piece of audio and send it to us. Even better. Let us know some of your Halloween memories, some of your creepy Halloween stories or something that's been passed on to you especially maybe some history you know of family that that has to do with halloween or something that was told passed down to you maybe if we get enough of them we'll actually put it into an episode and read all of our listener submissions yeah because we did that with when we did the samantha burn series and it was really great to hear from you guys so yeah drop it in the comments or send us some audio whatever like share away share all your stories and memories Right here, Serial Spirits Podcast. And here's another kind of along the same lines, but I guess on a more serious tone, just like we did with the Samantha Burns series, I am currently researching another murder that happened here in Huntington, West Virginia in 2007 that we are going to be featuring on at least one episode, if not a few episodes. Again, it's kind of like the whole Samantha Burns series that... You don't really know what's going to happen, how many episodes or even what information you're going to get until you dive into it. The girl's name was Leah Hickman. She was another Marshall University student. She was murdered here in 2007, Huntington, West Virginia. And to this day, her murder is unsolved. It is considered a cold case. This story is bizarre. It's a trend that seems to happen here a lot. And I've noticed since I've been here, there's a lot of unsolved murders it's i don't know not not saying there's a conspiracy or anything but it's just odd and this story this story's odd so like annie said it might be one part it might be several parts you do the research you find out of what happened we can talk about experiences we may have going to some of these places where this girl was last seen or where she worked but it also is a matter of people you know getting back to us we reach out to people whether they want to talk to us or not We'll see, but it's always interesting to hear from another perspective besides just me and Annie. 
So if anyone uh, knew Leah Hickman, knew anyone in the family, if you were law enforcement or new law enforcement who was involved in the case at that time, please feel free to reach out to us. I posted something about it on Facebook on Sunday and got just some very general comments back. But if you are not comfortable with leaving those as a public comment, you can message Serial Spirits on Facebook. You can message me personally. We would uh, love to hear from you. We would like any feedback that anyone has on that case. So that's going to be upcoming. And again, we need your help. And we're going to be doing a couple, throwing a couple paranormal stories in here, uh, a couple conspiracy theory stories in here um, before the end of the year. But keep in mind, uh, you know, we have a little little one on the way. So uh, things might slow down a little bit for us, but it doesn't mean we're going to be done with the podcast. Uh, as Annie said, we are done with public events after this weekend, but we're going to keep putting out uh, the podcast for you. We're going to try to keep some snippets going, and we just want to keep you guys engaged, and we want you to stay engaged with us. So if you have any thing you would like to hear us talk about on this podcast, any unsolved murders you know about that really intrigued you, that you would like to see us delve into or cover, send us a message. You can get us on Facebook. You can get us on Twitter. Hit us up, guys, because we really want to hear from you. And as I said before, you know, this is going to wrap up this episode. Um, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Uh, it really, really helps the show out. Uh, it gives us a better rating. It lets us put better content out. It spreads our, our, our podcast out further. And for those of you who follow Paranormal Warehouse, head over to their Facebook page. You can now become a subscriber on Paranormal Warehouse for five bucks a month. You get all kinds of additional um, information. You get all these live feeds that you'll see, investigations of places. Like I said, $5 a month. You guys, it's completely, totally worth it. We are building that platform there. So again, if there's anything you'd like to see us do here or on the live show on Tuesday nights, please feel free to reach out to us, head over there, give everybody at Warehouse some love, go over to iTunes, leave us a five-star review. We love you guys. We thank you for listening. We love to hear your feedback. So please keep reaching out to us. That's the great thing about podcasters. They're not untouchable, man. We love hearing from people. So please, if you have anything you'd like to say, hit us up. With that being said, we'll see you guys again in a week. Stay creepy. Once again, thank you for listening to Serial Spirits, the podcast. Check us out weekly on Paranormal Warehouse at ParanormalWarehouse.com, on iTunes at Serial Spirits, and on SoundCloud. Please rate and review the show. Follow us on all your social media apps. Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Serial Spirits, on Twitter at Serial Spirits, and on Instagram. Until next time, be aware and be safe. <laughs>